Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, Throttle Timepieces, Get Shit Done Coffee, Reverend Motors, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. We surely thank you for tuning into this episode, episode 850 of Big MX Radio. This is our eighth year releasing podcast, which means we uh, average over 100 episodes every single year. Uh, and this year we've been more consistent than ever. Every single Wednesday, except for this last Wednesday, where we've been able to uh, put out a podcast. Um, but I think somewhere along the line we were able to do two in the same week. So uh, we're still on pace for that. Uh, uh, 52 and 52 and uh, <clears throat> it's been great I honestly I, I really enjoy being able to uncover these stories and tonight today with Dave Osterman is no different uh, a great character within the sport someone who has a ton of opinion and a ton of stories and doesn't isn't afraid to sling it so I hope you enjoy it I hope you support our sponsors Big MX Radio sponsors include Fox Racing Canada as well as uh, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, Get Shit Done Coffee, Throttle Timepieces, go check those guys out as well. And we're also working on possibly getting you guys a discount code for Evans Power Sports. So um, I hope you guys are playing Big MX Radio Trivia, the free trivia game that we play every single day on Instagram. Uh, in correct answers enter you to win monthly prizes. If you really want to end, uh, enter some prizes, you don't even have to be good at motocross trivia. Um, and, and certainly there are a few who aren't very good at it. Uh, you can go to BigMXRadio.com and uh, buy yourself some raffle tickets for a 2022 YZ252 stroke, which we are raffling off one ticket for 20 three tickets for 50 or if you want 10 tickets for this beautiful motorcycle. And there are the total of 14 total prizes, including a, a set of Flexair Fox Racing gear, FMF exhaust system of your choosing, uh, throttle throttle timepieces, uh, watch, um, thr throttle syndicate, graphic kit, head to toe. Uh, we'll get you set it up with that. Um, team Solitaire has uh, supplied us with two of their race team jerseys. Uh, so go to the website, BigMXRadio.com, enter the raffle, and uh, I hope that uh, you guys do that. Best of luck to you, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be giving away some prizes on June 1st. So uh, enjoy this podcast with Dave Osterman, and as always, thanks for listening. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing Canada. With us on, on the board as well is Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing USA. Andy Gregg down there needs you to go uh, get a brand new seat cover. Uh, tip to tail will take care of you as well as lightweight seat foams and seat bases. Maybe you need a full overhaul on uh, your, your your YZ125. Uh, it's, it needs a new seat cover. It needs a new, whole new seat. Get them, uh, get them. 
in touch with with me who will get you in touch with andy and then get that all sorted out uh we're also fueled by get shit done coffee uh if you're not already following those guys on social media they're a great follow and they have great products so go check those guys out you can also save 20 percent on bigmxradio.com uh, and look for the the Discount code BigMXRadio20 to save you uh, 20% on Get Shit Done Coffee. Uh, same discount, BigMX20 saves you 20% on Manscaped. Let's be honest, you probably need uh, some help down there. And uh, and BigMX Radio is here uh, to the rescue uh, with, from our friends over at Manscaped. Uh, BigMX20 saves you 20% at Manscaped.com. Go, ch- go check that out. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, he's a repeat offender, but it's been a minute. It's been at least three or four years since we last had Dave Osterman on the Big MX Radio podcast. He's a, he was a longtime team manager for some top flight teams within the pits, uh, including Yamaha of Troy, but also uh, including 2-2 Motorsports when it was at the height of its powers, uh, of course, with uh, their flagship rider, uh, the none other than Chad Reed. Dave Osterman, welcome back to the Big MX Radio podcast. Thanks. It's always cool. Hey, always cool to chat with What's you, that? my friend. A wealth of knowledge and someone who just has so many great contacts and stories within the sport of motocross. You've been in it for a long period of time. Um not necessarily still in the motocross industry, not in the capacity that you once were, but uh, still an avid follower of it. Uh, what are you busy yourself with now? I'm retired. I'm happily retired, a grandfather, and uh, I stay healthy with cycling and motoing on my motorbikes and uh, my dogs and uh, following the sport. And, you know, never a dull moment. Perfect, man. That is- I'm actually just as busy. Now as I was before, just doing doing other things. I'm kind of a wind up personality, so I, I'm not really a sit still guy anyway. Absolutely, and anyone who takes the time to uh, watch any of those great outdoors videos knows that you're you're a little wound up sometimes. But I think that's just the passion that you have for for all things in life coming through. Um, like before we sort of dial the like spin the clocks back to where the the story all started and maybe get into some Yamaha Troy stories maybe get into some uh details on some 22 more sports stuff um like you're still an avid uh, fan of the sport you f- you follow it on a regular basis uh just give me your take Every on week. the yeah, the, the 2022 Monster Energy Supercross Series. And, uh, of course, there's there's one particular topic that I think uh, the, the fans at home would love for you to touch on, being uh, the, the BBMX team uh, going through a little bit of a turmoil here, um, and that being uh, they've had their uh, title sponsor uh, has backed out, and, and there's a lot of sort of uh, uh, things up in the air in that regards, like something you might not have intimate knowledge of that particular situation but uh have experienced things like it in the past especially in the sport of motocross well i mean uh you know everybody reading it love those guys or hate them i like the writers i, I know some of their crew uh, you know i might have had beers even with some of their crew and i know look uh they had factory ktm help and uh you know forrest and his crew have been around a long time uh you just, you know, you don't get to the level they've been at, uh, notwithstanding just the years, but, you know, for a factory team like KTM to to welcome them and, and have a motor program with them and, and, you know, and suspension and factory level parts is, is not an easily earned direction for anybody. So, so those things aren't just handed out like Halloween candy. So, 
um, to hear the team is going through these things. You know, sometimes they're the sponsor pitfalls, but but you're hearing all this other stuff, and a lot of it's just hearsay. But but I feel bad for the crew. I feel bad for the riders. It's it's unfortunate when these things dry up mid season. And uh, people to fill those voids. So it, it's kind of a bummer for them, a bummer for the sport. I, I feel bad for all involved. I'm sure the nitty gritty will come out. This might be Forrest and his crew, their last hurrah. If it is in fact due to them, my experience with this kind of stuff, it's never really happened to me, but I've been around some people. I won't name names, but they're still eating well while their crew is kind of suffering, you know, and I've never liked that, respected it. And uh, some guys I know are still out there even doing it that I could name, but I won't. So that, that kind of bothers me. They know who they are. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, it, 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 it's just business, uh, you know, up, down, and sideways. So it's, uh, it's an unfortunate part of business. It just, this just happens to be the racing business. Certainly is, man, and it it's uh, it's never good when you see entire teams go away. Uh, Max Anstey displaced uh, Shane McElrath, uh, deciding not to race this weekend. Uh, he he had posted about um, not passing concussion protocol. Um, whether you want whether you you take him at face value and say yeah he just wasn't able to race or if he just wasn't feeling comfortable uh with the situation at hand uh either way he wasn't out there on the track and of course uh also in like in limbo is Joey Savacci uh obviously the BBMX team is is one that existed for a long period of time long before they had even BTO Sports help when they were BTO Sports KTM uh when they did not have factory support and then uh, I believe they eventually did get um, factory support with that title sponsor, moved things over to a different distributor in uh, rmatvmc.com. And um, yeah, like it, there's, there's just been a lot of things up in the air as far as uh, the mysterious retirement of Blake Baggett, who I, I to this day, I don't think has actually come out and said, I'm not, I'm completely retired. Uh, but although two years gone, I, I'd assume that's the case. Um, like, but you, I do. Yeah. Go ahead. I, you know, I'm going to profess to be uh, uh, beer buddies with with Blake and his family, but I've been friendly with his with his dad. But I, I can see Baggett. I can see Stewart. I can see uh, even, uh, you know, when I work for Mike Bell, people, well, why doesn't he do this race? How come he doesn't come up to Mammoth? Or how come Johnny O doesn't do this? And I used to look at people and go, you know, they're done. They put in their time, I think. They don't really owe the sport anything per se. I think the sport owes them more than the other way around. But in Baggett's case, I don't want to uh, uh, just speculate, but I really think at some point, like Stewart, I think there's, they're just so frustrated and aggravated and kind of over it for what they've done and how they've done it. I think uh, uh, Blake was a, a, a potential title guy in my eyes, and I think that uh, what happened to him was unfortunate. Then he had the injury, and I think sure there's there may be some legal stuff going on, and you know everybody is 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 uh, in accordance with with what they're supposed to say or not say. So we're on the outside, kind of wondering, but it didn't end well for him. That's not how he wanted it to end well for him. Injury aside, and I think I think the speculation is what it is because it's 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 something obviously happened there, and and uh, um, 
And I've learned uh, probably like most have when, when people hear that people aren't getting uh, their just desserts in one way or another, <clears throat> there's always some truth to that. You know, there's, there's, uh, I just think you got to look at it that way. So uh, I wish him and his family well. You know, I, I read it like you do. He's selling his compound or if he already sold it. Um, but when Chad Reed sold his compound, you know, him and the family kind of moved on. He had a well-planned uh, career, so to speak. Uh, his farewell tour didn't go so well just due to COVID. But but uh, I, I think uh, St. Louis last weekend was pretty cool for him on the two-stroke. But, but in Baggett's case, I feel bad for him. You know, when I used to walk around pro circuit, like Cincerello, I'd see him there. Baggett would walk around just a little kid with his dad. And, 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 uh, and then I, I kind of watched him grow up even around on other teams and in the pit areas, you know, and, and, uh, and then to have the career he had and, and, and to be a dark horse and, and, and as he was, and he did quite well. And, and I just think it's, you know, it's unfortunate for some of these guys the way I think it ended. Uh, like with, with Stewart, I think he was kind of hung out to dry. I think I think the sport he helped make mainstream kind of hung him out to dry. I think the people that brought the FIM in, in other words, they, they should have stood up for him a lot more. So I think I'd agree with it, that. even in other like J- James sold fighting. a lot of tickets, oh, I, he, whether it was to a Supercross or a national. Yeah, yeah, I could go on for weeks about this stuff. I got a big heart on for the FIM. I think they might, as well of a, a job as they do in Europe. I think they should stay in Europe. I think when they came to Supercross, they did nothing but fuck things up. And I think the people around them just let it happen, almost like they own the own the place more than the people that let them in the door. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it was just, it was, it was just crazy. Some of the stuff that went on, and then, and then, uh, I, I think. You know, they, they treated James like a criminal. Uh, what happened was just the ball being dropped. He didn't rob a bank. He didn't hurt anybody. Uh, you know, slap his hand, maybe uh, uh, bench him for a race or two. But but uh, him and Tickle and some, some others, it was like a career ender. And it's like, and there's so many ways it could have been tainted, you know, that, that, yeah. that, that, that but it's like, you know, but then you try to talk to these people and, and the phone rings and rings or the emails go and it's just, it's just a circle jerk. And then, and then, Hey, wait a minute, that this guy helped put you on the map. You know, this guy came to your autograph sessions, this guy, you know, you got this guy to, to be the monkey on the chain sometimes for you guys. And then, and no, you know, I mean, come on, where, where was the AMA behind him? Where was even the FIM behind him? Where was, you know, they, they really treated some of these situations like, like, you know, you're, you're guilty till proven innocent. That's not the way I always heard it. You know, red light means you don't go. You're innocent till proven guilty. I always heard my whole life. It, it seems with the FIM, AMA and all the drug testing stuff. I remember when all that came around, I wasn't even a fan of it because I thought there's too many gray areas, you know, and, and then, uh, but then you look at a poor guy like Baggett, it was just some financial thing, you know, here he's out with a, a hurt wrist, so to speak. And then, it's like financials kind of killed his career, you, you know, it seems. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and some of that legal stuff with contracts, they, they just kind of tie you up and, and he's not really allowed to do anything or go anywhere or say anything. So, so uh, here we are now just talking about it. So I think some of these things, and, and if you look at it, whether it's Hollywood or ball and bat sports, it just, 
it seems to happen. We all read about it in other directions, and it's just unfortunate. I'm just glad it's not commonplace everywhere with everything. No, it certainly is, and, and uh, it, it's it's a bummer to see, uh, like like I said, uh, like things go away and riders displaced. And uh, the the real tragedy is is that we don't get a we we don't have a straight answer, and we probably won't get one. Um, the the speculation will continue uh, until at some point maybe uh, someone writes a book, but I doubt it. Um, and uh, in either way, uh, the the pits are a little bit lonelier without uh, without that team on on the paddock. But uh, what do you think about the, the the series here in 2022? Uh, hotly contested both championships in the 250 class. Uh, you got basically two guys that are sort of dominating, especially during due, due to some injuries on the East Coast, with uh, Jet Lawrence uh, kind of striding away most of the time, uh, except for for some reason on triple crowns. Can't seem to get those things uh, dialed in. Uh, but 450 class. It started out with a lot of parody, but uh, since about the la- uh, round six or so, it's been all Tomac all the time. Well, uh, just to set the record straight, I'm not an East-West fan. I think it's a dated, I think it's a dinosaur deal. It's been a factory class for 25 years. So I think to have, uh, I, I think when Davy Coombe Sr. instituted it, it was a fantastic idea. Uh, and, uh, but it, it's far outlived its usefulness. So I think it's, I think you'll see in the outdoors, some of the best racing is in the 250 class when they're all together. Right. I, I think joke names have their, their place and their purpose. I think the triple crown to me is a, the triple crown to me taints supercross. Supercross is supercross. Outdoors is outdoors. I think triple crown is a standalone deal. I think they could have six, eight or 10 race series of their own. Uh, on their own right, I don't like it mixed in. It's like a speed bump in a drag race to to make it more interesting, slow them down, or sell more tickets. Like I heard Wygant was talking about restrictor plates for the 450s. I mean, all that stuff makes me laugh. But then again, I respect his opinion because he's there every week. 450s are kind of ruining Supercross. I think they're too powerful. A lot of the tracks, you know, I've been on 250 teams. I've been on 450 teams. A lot of these tracks, are barely sustainable on a good 250. In other words, when I see the guys like Tomek and Anderson and Barsha and some of these guys going at it on a 450, those things could either be automatics or three speeds. Yeah. You know, they very rarely, maybe outside of Daytona, get into fourth gear. It's it's really kind of comical. Some of the tracks, when you watch it on TV, I'm amazed they're going as good as they're going on them. And even Eli says he goes in some sections in, into first gear. Um, um, I just think they're too powerful. I think the the, the mortality rate for for injuries, uh, you know, even for the 250 guys, I just think it, it's – I don't know. I still like the tracks from my generation. I think – Right now, they're just all rhythms and jumps and jumps and rhythms when you really think about it. Um, and I think, I, I think you know, God, look at what happened to poor Dean Wilson and 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 McAdoo and 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 some of these guys. It's just and, and Cooper Webb. I mean, some of these guys are, are wrecking themselves just during the week, for God's sakes. And and I'm not I'm not saying bring back two strokes that that'll never happen. But but uh, but they need to do something. I think. I think coming up with triple crowns or a quadruple, what's it going to be next? A quadruple crown? I mean, 
Um, then they'll put mud holes in the triple crowns or, or, you know, I just look at all that stuff as what I call silliness. Um, I think, I think having been on a 450 team, it's funny when I went from 250 programs to a 450 team, it's, it, it's like an eye opener because a guy like Chad is like, he's a top guy, 17 rounds. You can't even catch a cold, you know, the 250 kids. It's like they race what X amount of races, then they're off. They get paid a lot of money, then they're off. You know, then they're they're fooling with their outdoor stuff if they're even doing that. It's kind of a joke to me because again, the class has been a factory class for 25 years. I think they should do away with it, and then people get mad at me. Well, you're gonna you're gonna hurt riders because then Mitch won't need four guys or this won't need so many guys. That's not my problem. My problem is just thinking it's 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 far outlived its usefulness. And I, I think they just, they, they leave well enough alone. You know, Feld has two premier series to sell, the 250 and the 450, but instead they still, they still try to, to treat the 250 class like it's some amateur thing um, by splitting it up the way they do. And I, I think, because uh, you're a fan, once the outdoors start, by the third round, man, the 250 class is brutal because you got, you got all the best. You know, you got all yeah. the deaths like this weekend, what Atlanta's supposed to be a East West showdown. Yeah. But I don't really like that because I think it it just takes away from the championship. I, I think it it's this anomaly kind of a race. And I just hope everybody comes out of it healthy and 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 moves on to the finish. But but uh I don't know. I just I just don't it it uh I'm more of a purist, you know, I, I just think you race this, you race that. And, and, uh, you know, joker lanes are for those off races, you know, but, but, uh, and that's the way I look at the triple crown. I just think it's not normal. It's just not normal supercross. It changes it. It's like, it's like super pole racing. And I like super pole racing, but I think, I think even super pole racing, you got to, have a six race series of super pole events it's like the the red bull straight rhythm that's a great event it's a great one for yeah. what it yeah but even if they wanted to have a, a four race series by red bull or something I, I think it would suit that but all of a sudden you know i could see maybe next year's daytona they have the daytona supercross then the next day they, they mix in like a straight rhythm and, and those two scores go to combine for the champion for the Daytona weekend. I mean, if, if they think it sells more tickets, that's what they'll do or, or brings the fans. And, and, and I get that the, the sport is being torn left and right from, from electronic games or golf or whatever it is. But, but, and, but again, some people, when, when I, when I, when I talk, as I talk, even my, my own buddies, you know, they love the triple crowns and they love that. But I have a kind of a twisted view because having been a team guy, I don't kind of, I, I don't, you know, I hated mud races. Mud races to me are almost like a triple crown race because it just, they're not safe and they just change everything, you know, yeah. when, when two thirds of the series is in a mud race, you know, yeah, and it, 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 it just, it, it breeds injuries and, and things happen that don't normally happen. So I think, I always used to be thankful when you go through a season like this, this supercross season, they really haven't even had any mud yet. Knock on wood. And, um, the supercross in a stadium is like in a, is like in a bathtub, I call it. 
because the water table rises and that's not really a good thing when it's muddy and and uh but but all in all i'm a, I'm a huge eli fan i'm a jason anderson fan i think uh i think uh i think the racing's been excited barsha comes to life a few times you know there's a lot of good contenders but but uh um and I got I got to tell you, if I was a former Yamaha guy, I'd be having my head in the sand because I think whatever they said or whatever they did for as many years, Eli and and Star, uh, you know, the Monster Star Yamaha guys, they're nixing everything anybody ever said about the YZ450F, and uh, you know, outside of the guys in the in the MXGPs, which have been doing pretty well on them, but here in the states, you know. You couldn't get you, you couldn't get arrested on a YZF 450, but but I think uh, Tomac is making it look like the the class of the class. It, it's revitalized his career, and, and this is a bike that the factory guys here, you know, obviously something wasn't right over there. That's all I'm going to say about it. But I think you really can't argue with that, you know. Yeah, no, just, absolutely. Uh, like uh, it's. That that backwards engine has received uh, more wins and and more accolades in this one year than since it came into Supercross in 2010. Well, just the backwards engine in the 250 class has been the class of the class. True. Now that backwards engine in the 450 class was a joke here, and the factory team couldn't even get it right. Webb didn't like it. Reed went back there. He didn't like it. And um, and I listened to a lot of what Chad said because I worked for the guy for five years. And then uh, and I know a lot of people on the Blue Crew inside. And then so I kind of know how things are there. And now and now you look at Eli with a different uh, in a different program. He's the new guy there. So if anybody should be struggling this year, as you know, it should be him and Anderson. And they're they both been pretty damn successful. So um, I think I think. Uh, and I knew Jason would be dangerous on a Cowie because I, I kind of knew him a little bit on uh, amateur ranks on Cowies, and he was badass on the 250 and 450F Cowies uh, outdoors uh, for the amateur stuff, you know, and they were aluminum frames then. And uh, Eli, I didn't know what to expect, but I did have a feeling just from being around that I thought, you know, if Star really has a, a, a free, uh, a, a, how should I say, a, a, a an open sheet of paper and, and, uh, you know, and I think Eli knows what he wants. Uh, I think he could be dangerous. And I think, man, it took him a few rounds to figure that out, but, but, you know, and now look at where he is. I mean, uh, sure. I, I fans say it's boring because now he's kind of the shoe in and, and Lawrence is kind of the shoe in, but you know, those guys earned it the hard way. Sure. Other guys have dropped out due to injury. That's exciting to me. You know, I know, I know some people want blood and guts and sure. They want a full starting line. I wish Webb was out there. I wish this guy, I mean, uh, uh, funny story, even about the KTMs. I was laughing, you know, they come out with this new, everything, their PR machine was actually better than their bike was. And I think we all saw that realized it. And, and they were believing their own hype. You know, when I was factory Yamaha back in the day, we had one of those bikes and it took several rounds to get better. Everybody was so frustrated. We started the season on our last year's bikes 
that we ended on and we killed everybody for like halfway through the year. And that was the Japanese hated it because we weren't racing the new bike. So they kind of lost a little face, probably amongst themselves, but they were certainly enjoying the wins because while, while the Hondas and Cowies and Suzuki's were trying to figure out their new bikes, Yamaha just said, you know what, we're going to roll out the first bunch of rounds on, on the, what we ended on, which is already proven. And we ended up killing everybody. So I was even joking early on with some buddies saying, God, if Roger and those guys were really thinking outside of the box, they should have put everybody for the first few rounds, at least till the break on the old bikes. And you might've seen a different story for, for the orange guys. Yeah, it certainly hasn't, like, obviously Marv wins this last weekend, good for him, uh, but it certainly didn't seem like uh, AP, Aaron Plessinger, was as strong uh, on the KTM as he was at the end of the year prior, and uh, and same thing with Coop, is that uh, he's going like, he's more than likely to go down as a champion uh, who, in his defense, uh, while racing most of the series, doesn't end up collecting a win and uh, not to, not to blame the bike completely, but uh, I certainly didn't feel comfortable. doesn't look comfortable. Well, I mean, look, you got to read between the lines. They weren't blaming the bike in the beginning. You know, everything's wonderful. You know, there's no wrong over here. And then, but, but nothing against KTM, but they do get it wrong every now and then, or they do do too much. All the, it's happened to all the companies and all the colors and nobody was like allowed to say anything. But then even some of their in-house guys were posting how hard they were working during the week testing. So it's almost like it's almost like they were giving you those answers if you knew what to look for. And 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 maybe they shouldn't have said anything. But but no, Muscan's a great guy, a great rider. I'm acquainted with him a little bit. Frankie is his mechanic, is a great guy, pretty damn dedicated. The whole crew is, but I'm not <clears throat> I'm just saying, look, it happens to everybody, even the mighty KTM. And, and, and maybe they're finally figuring it out or getting the guys comfortable, but, but, uh, um, you know, and that's unfortunate. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just kind of the way it goes every now and then, uh, it, 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 it just, uh, it, it kind of hits everybody. I think you've even seen it. So, um, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, it's just a time thing as I call it. But but uh, the unfortunate thing about the Supercross schedule or the outdoor schedule, you know, uh, once opening day is opening day, the schedule waits for no one, I always say. So you really got to you really got to know your lines when the curtain goes up. You know, you can't you can't fool anybody because who is a winner last year is not a winner this year. So what's what's causing that? You know, is it is it that Webb uh, bailed on Alden Baker? I don't think what is Webb all of a sudden out of shape. You know, yeah, no. the, the guy's been a, no, he's been a consummate professional for how many years? So that's BS that he's all of a sudden out of shape. Sure. Maybe he, maybe he, he, uh, his decision to leave wasn't wise, but I think, I think when, when you look at some of these top guys, they know what to do, even though they're not there. Um, so I don't believe that, that, you know, he had like a beer belly, so to speak, and couldn't, couldn't do 20 sit-ups. I think, I think he was still pretty rough and tough, but I think it was just a combination of things. You know, if he went back and he's happier now that he's back or, um, but I would imagine a guy like Alden isn't easy, you know, I mean, especially for so many years, but I think Coop is a champion. 
he's a dangerous champion. I think we all know his, his race craft is some of the guys call it. And I think, <laughs> I think he's gnarly. So I think, uh, on all the powers that be are trying to make him happy. So I think, I think that's made the year exciting too, because here was a championship team and a championship bike, even in Europe. And now all of a sudden this year, this is really the first time KTM has really struggled. God, I think since Dungey was there, you know, um, the bike's just been clicking off wins and championships since the Dungey days. So it's like, this is, I'm just trying to think, man, they've, they've been pretty damn successful year in and year out. So they rolled out this new bike. So, and again, it's not, it's, it, 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 you know, it's not like their, their stock goes down. It's just for you and me, the bike would be bitching, but for these guys, it's, you know, these guys are splitting hairs. And I think, I think it's just all about, you know, comfort. And there's so many things involved with getting these bikes to make these guys comfortable at this level. It's, it's amazing what these guys do. And I think even for you being a fan, when you go down to a supercross track and you walk the track walk, which is an eye opener for most humans, because when you go on the track walk, opposed to seeing it on TV, those whoops just seem impossible. I, I mean, I remember going down there, even in the read days, just going down there, just going, my God, these are just like, just ridiculous, <laughs> you know, just, just like, and, and you see all the riders with their hands, you know, figuring them out on the various colors and jackets they're walking around in. But then once practice gets going, these guys are just tearing it up. And I'm just, I've always been amazed at that. So I, I always used to tell everybody, man, you got to go for a track walk. Cause it's, it'll really change your opinion about being hard on this guy or that brand or this or that, you know, it's really, it's not like the outdoors. It's like the, the, just the whoops alone could, could kill most of us, you know? Oh, hundred percent. It's uh, uh, not for the faint of heart racing supercross by any means. It's uh, it's about as crazy as it gets, man. You've been in this uh, this sport for a long period of time. You mentioned you're you're retired now, but uh, for many years, uh, Dave Osterman was a fixture in the pits. Um, what was your your first official job in uh, in the sport, and and how did you sort of climb the ladder? Well, I, I uh, out of high school, I worked for. Uh, the late Al Baker uh, in Van Nuys, California, uh, with a buddy of mine, got me in there making exhaust pipes. Okay. And that uh, I raced myself locally, and I was okay, but I wasn't to pro level. And my, and my parents weren't really into it anyways. Um, they were into other things. Uh, my father, my late father, was a, a doctor, so it, it, it wasn't really wise for a doctor's son to be racing dirt bikes, so to speak, you know. Um, but... Uh, you know, he let me do it. And, and again, I was okay, but I was always better working on them. And then I just, uh, through Al Baker racing, uh, got hooked up with some local guys. I was pretty fortunate. And at, at one point I ended up with Eddie Cole, uh, who later founded, uh, answer products with a high school friend. Uh, and, and that's a big part of history right there in itself. But, but, uh, I went to the Florida series after some West coast success with Eddie <laughs> and Eddie and Bob Hanna were great friends. Uh, long story short, uh, they asked me to stay around. I stayed around and then, uh, you know, I went back to California and then while I was back in California, uh, Mike Bell was one of the hot dogs burning up the, the tracks in SoCal and Yamaha had their eye on him and they magically, they kind of hooked us up, uh, for some races and we actually did, did very well. Um, 
and then they hooked us up permanently. He got hired, I got hired. And then, uh, so I, so I went through the ranks as a mechanic, uh, for many years <clears throat> after about 10 years of doing that stuff. And then, and then, uh, had some ups and downs and left. And then I went, went, went to Cowie as a in-house test guy for a little bit, uh, with Roy Turner and some of the guys there. I love working for Roy, but they didn't have the budget at a certain point. So I left, had some other opportunities, uh, didn't really quite take them. And then, uh, got back into it at, 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 at some point as people do, you know, you get out of it and you get sucked back into it. That happened to me a few times. I had a retail business in uh, performance accessory and suspension stuff for, for uh, dirt bikes. I imported some products from Europe, seat and graphics from Europe and uh, exhaust systems from Europe. And that lasted a few years with a partner friend of mine until uh, that somewhat imploded. And then, uh, you know, got sucked into it again like a vacuum cleaner and uh my family always supported me with it and and uh I went with with ktm and then i was with i was actually at ktm twice but i was at ktm then uh uh uh, uh yot and then and then pro circuit and and uh um after uh, after pro circuit um you know kicked around a little bit and then uh heard through the grapevine that uh <laughs> That Chad was starting a deal, uh, uh, talked to Eric Kehoe about it, and one thing led to another. I ended up talking to Steve Astefin, Chad's uh, management, and uh, yeah, it, it just uh, everything kind of clicked, and uh, you know, we met at a hotel. I was acquainted with him before uh, from my Yamaha time, but uh, um, yeah, just we shook hands. I hit the ground running. And uh, yeah, we we had a successful we had a successful uh, bunch of years together, and uh, yeah, and now I'm talking to you, retired. <laughs> there you go, man. Well, like let uh, let's let's talk YOT days. Yamaha Troy originally uh, Honda of Troy for a very short period of time. There was Suzuki of Troy, of course. That was a a a, a dealership in Troy, Ohio. Uh, that was very dedicated to sport for a lot of years. Uh, you managed a lot of great athletes. Um, Brett Metcalf, Andrew McFarlane. Well, my time at Yamaha Troy was kind of interesting. Right. I, I got. I was approached about that. I almost didn't even want to take the job, um, as the story goes. Yamaha Troy had a lot of history with Yamaha. Uh, outside of what you said, Honda Troy and all that. The, the the team was was built by the late Phil Alderton. Uh, uh, I was acquainted with him. Great guy, very sharp. I, I will tell you on a sidebar when my wife and I were going through his filing cabinets, uh, just looking through years of sponsorship proposals and things. He he Phil seemed to take notes. I think even if he was in his office by himself, he would just he wrote every freaking thing down. Like, like that was on his mind, and we found file after file after file on on concepts for teams and sponsorship proposals. You know, back in the day, it was really only him and Pro Circuit per se, and and they were kind of writing the rule book for everybody to follow in a sense beyond the factory team. <laughs> and and the interesting thing was, I used to look at my wife sometimes in its infancy, and I go, wow. Phil was really a bright guy because you would read some of these proposals and things that he was really articulate the way he wrote. And, 
and I was really amazed at that. But what happened in a nutshell, just to be honest, I, I, I went to meet with the Yamaha guys and the team owner and they kind of, I was in the room with, 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 you know, all the big wigs and <laughs> they kind of read the riot act to me to the point where I got to tell you straight up. I almost, upon leaving, Jimmy Perry walked me out of the building and he, he, he goes, okay, Ozzy. And he reaches out to shake my hand and he's like, what do you think? I'll see you around. And I go, you know, Jimmy, I don't even know if I want the job because what happened was with all their history that you know full well, all the championships, they weren't, as Keith McCarty told me, the team lost its bling. In other words, if your kid was that kid looking for a place to go and you had that, that talent to pick and choose, you weren't, you, you weren't picking Yamaha anymore. And so whatever happened to the team due to whatever was going on with with their management, uh, Yamaha wanted it to continue because there was just so much history there. But as, as Keith told me, you know, the team is in the gutter and we're giving you the key to the city and your job is to pull it out of the gutter. And he goes, everything that goes on under that tent is your deal. I'll be here for direction and advice and guidance because they were the mothership that's what i call them and 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 that was a little tough because the mothership didn't always you know it was either a lot of times their way of the highway so uh but i've known keith for 100 years so we would butt heads plenty of times but i basically had to right all the wrongs there and even when i took the job within the first two weeks i would like people would say how's the job going dave and i would say you know what I never had to say I was sorry so many times. So, um, again, whatever was done, unbeknownst to me being around there, um, I just had to clean the place up. And and, uh, and then there was a lot of dissension in the ranks because my attitude was uh, I didn't hire myself. You know what I mean? I was brought in and and told of this stuff going on. So some of the people there – didn't like me, didn't respect me, but you know what? I really didn't care. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, when I got hired at pro circuit, the same thing with Mitch, Mitch rolled me into the back. Uh, you know, he says, Hey, this is Dave. He's my guy. He basically said, you got a problem with Dave. You got a problem with me. He basically just rolled out and I'm standing in the back with these guys. I, I just knew who some of them were. I didn't really know anybody. I looked at them as a bunch of pirates. I thought they were going to slip my throat, you know, but, and it was a little odd, but I, you know, over the course of days and weeks, you, you kind of learn them, they learn you. And I, I think they learn to respect me and vice versa. You, you know, it's just, it, it's just, uh, it, 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 it's very hard to explain that, that feeling. And I guess it, unless you've been thrown into that, but, you know, you just get in there and you do what you have to do. And then people see you're a hustler and a worker and you get shit done. And, and then it all kind of comes around. And that's it, it, it. I think when I was at YOT, I let the truck driver go, I think, within the first week of being there. You know, there you I called the team owner, the team owner, the team owner was the kind of guy, a nice guy, but he, but he had no business being a team owner. I, I, he really had no business owning anything. He was the kind of guy you could walk up behind him. If you said boo, he would jump out of his clothes. But um, um, 
very easily swayed by everybody else. So I called him and I said, Hey, look, I got to let the truck driver go. And he's like, Oh, well, 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 he kind of waffled around. He's like, well, are you sure you got to do that? And I go, look, I've been around a long time. The guy's not doing what needs to be done. And it, and it, <laughs> I, I mean, it's ridiculous what he's, what he, what he refuses to do, you know? And so I just, and some of the guys on the team didn't like me doing that. But again, I wasn't there for a popularity contest. I was there to clean the place up and, 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 uh, you know, I had to turn the, the place around. They already had riders in place. They, uh, Brock Sellers, Danny Smith, and Kelly Smith, all nice guys uh, and all good riders. But separately, they were great. Together, I couldn't handle them. And, and truthfully, they probably should have retired two years before I got there because um, they were kind of over it as well. They were just, you know, contractually, they, uh, I guess I would have stayed there too. They were all paid a lot of money. And they just weren't getting the results for the money they were getting. Like I said, they should have retired. No disrespect to them, but they should have retired two years probably before I got there. I believe they were over it. They were just writing out their contracts. And I guess you kind of got to respect that, too, because they're kind of getting free money. They didn't want to get hurt. Um, but I, I never saw a whole lot of heart out of any of them. Like I said, they may have had it at one point in their career. But when I got those guys, I think they were kind of done already. Um but I liked them all. They were a good group, but you could see the writing on the wall. I mean, I had no intention of re-signing any of those guys. Um, and and they, what's funny is they were all accomplished guys earlier in their career. Danny Smith, Kelly Smith, and Brock Sellers, they all had good resumes. But, but again, when I showed up on the scene uh, with YOT, they were just, they were just, uh, they were living the life, uh, they had good contracts with YOT and more power for them to get in those contracts. But, but uh, um, yeah, they were kind of short-lived. Then we got, <clears throat> after that, uh, kind of cleaned house, so to speak. Then we got uh, uh, Metcalf and McFarland. Uh, Andrew McFarland was uh, number two in Europe, if you remember. And I, I uh, talked to Yamaha about him, brought him over here. Um, we mainly, we, we, our interest in Andrew was mainly outdoors. Uh, not so much Supercross. Uh, that that was his strong, you know. But but uh, um, yeah, he was a good dude. Uh, got along good with him and his wife. We butted heads a little bit. Again, you know, you got a guy coming here. Uh, uh, he was number, you know, again number two in the world in 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 Europe. Yeah. Uh, so you know, pretty pretty headstrong. But but we got along. You know, like I said, after a few little bump and grinds, we kind of worked things out. Uh, at the time, my in-house guy, uh, Luke Coet was, uh, <clears throat> he was kind of running the program when I got there. Uh, but he was like the motor guy and, and, but he was keeping the crew together and Frenchie, we called him Frenchie. Frenchie did a great job. Um, I must say our bikes were fast, competitive, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, uh, and we butted heads a few times, you know, again, I was the new sheriff in town and I, he didn't hire me, someone else did. And I don't think, I don't think he was really fond of everything I did or the direction, but, you know, I just, uh, that's, that's just too bad. Right. You know, that that's just the way it goes in a company, but, but, uh, but overall he did a great job. Then one day, uh, after some years, you know, he informed me he's leaving. And then, uh, I'm like, wow, you know, you just don't go to the corner and find a motor guy. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, 
and, and Frenchie was really good. And, and, uh, you know, once, once we got past the beginning and, uh, um, I contacted the powers that be, let them know what was happening. And that included Yamaha, FMF, all the major players in the team that had major money in the team. And, and, and I, I, in other words, I was reaching out to them for a life preserver. I'm like, somebody throw me a phone number of a good motor guy or somebody that can help us overnight. And I didn't get a response worth a shit from anybody. It, it was like, it was like crickets, you know what I mean? And I'm like, what the hell? And, um, and I certainly would have talked to anybody they did, but anyway, it got a little political. I, I brought in a buddy of mine <clears throat> to help, uh, who had some four stroke motor experience. It was what I call a band aid. you know, it was just a band aid to get us by through some testing and, uh, nothing was permanent. I even mentioned it to a few of them. Never got a up, down, or sideways. Certainly uh, don't do that, Dave. And, and next thing I know, it, it, it got kind of political and shitty. And 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 uh, I just, uh, you know, the team was going to the left with with some direction, and and uh, I felt that wasn't being followed, so uh, I left. I bailed. I, I just told Yamaha I'm, I'm, I'm out. You know, when, when, when that happens, it, uh, I believe the team owner wasn't truthful with me. Some of the sponsors weren't truthful with me. And I thought, you know what? I, I turned this whole team around. I got it out of the fricking gutter. I did everything they wanted. And, and now that I'm in some dire needs of some, some help and direction, uh, everybody was like crickets, you know, and, uh, I basically gathered my, my, I just gathered my desk and got the hell out of there. Never looked back. No regrets. Um, yeah, it was just a crazy, crazy time. So, so, uh, and, and that was pretty, uh, uh, that was a big, uh, bitter pill to swallow for me. Um, because again, uh, uh, in my eyes and a lot of other people's eyes, I, I completely turned that, I, I righted all the wrongs there, turned that ship around. But again, I'm a big boy. It just shows you how that business is. And I just, uh, like I said, I just, I just, uh, you know, just got, got the hell out of there. So I did that. Um, and then uh, part of that was Jason Lawrence, you know, <clears throat> as I tell people, I, when I, when I, towards the end there when i when i got interested in jason lawrence i told yamaha yamaha was funny i would send them post-its with a few riders on it you know i'd, I'd have my little post-its on my desk rather and I'd, I'd put say two three names and no disrespect to any of those names but i always felt like i was i was picking from the ashtray of what was left because factory connection got the good kids pro circuit got the good kids you know what i mean it was like I literally had to pull from what was left. Keep McCarty threw some names my way. Mike Garrett threw some names my way. Uh, and I very quickly, I, I would respond to them. I go, that guy's, that guy's a freaking Neanderthal. I'm not going to mention the guy's name, but they, they wanted me to hire this arena cross guy. And I'm like, 
that guy's a Neanderthal. And and <laughs> and uh, I said, I don't want that guy. And, and uh, it, you know, it, it was it was very Yamaha. A lot of times was very adversarial. It was like, you know, when they had Langston and Hill on Yamahas. I'm not going to say who said it, but a prominent high up at Yamaha was kind of yelling at me saying, and I quote, we'll show you how to win a championship, right? And I said, well, I hope so with your couple million dollar freaking budget for these guys. And they, they were tripping over their dicks too, because the 250F Yamaha in those days was the Camaro of the class, I called it, right? When everybody went from two strokes to four strokes, if you remember, all the other four strokes were developing quicker than a 12-year-old girl. You know what I mean? And, right. And, and, but the Yamaha, I called it the Camaro of the class. It just, it just never changed, never changed, never changed, never changed. <clears throat> and then finally we got something decent. Uh, we did well on it with Metcalf at the U.S. Open. And then I, I really put that, I tell people I put my private parts way out there, hung it out there, man. And I I, I was pals with Scott Sipkovic at the time. Uh, we were old pals from years earlier. And <clears throat> he was managing Jason Lawrence. So I arranged, we talked a bunch of times and, and we arranged this whole thing and we arranged this test out at Glen Helen. And so Frenchie built up a, a couple of bikes and we had Jared Brown, the old Suzuki guy and Jason Lawrence, a few guys testing our bikes. Yamaha was all PO'd that I did that, but I thought, what a great idea. Let's get these kids out here and see how they gel with us and gel with the bike and you know, if they're, if they're so nervous and they can't handle it, then you don't maybe even want that kid. But I got to tell you, I'll never forget that day when Jason rode our bike, <clears throat> you know, he's tucking his hair into the helmet. And even though the wild child, uh, you know, that you heard about, he was so polite with Frenchie and I. And, and even when he went out for like three unbelievable laps at Glen Helen, he actually came in to ask if he could ride it some more. And so Frenchie gassed it up. We kind of went over the bike again. He went out for whatever, five, six, seven, ten laps. The kid was just freaking phenomenal. And <clears throat> as the story goes, we hired him on the spot. I was in a screaming match, or, or I was on the other end of a screaming match. It wasn't really a screaming match. They were screaming at me for days about about that. And then, then after that, like I said, I quit the team. And then, and then that following year, he wins the championship for those guys. You know what I mean? And and yeah, least, worked uh, out. my safe race was uh, we were at like the last round, and Jason thanked me on the PA system, which was kind of cool. Um, and he's really a good kid, you know. Sure, he's he's mixed up. When the when the brass was pounding me, I just threw it back in their face, and I said, "He's no different than your Anthony Gobert was." you know, uh, you know, the road racing phenom. And uh, it, it, it's really sad what happened to Jason because he's, <clears throat> he was really a talent, I think you know, and, and most know. And You and, don't win uh, a championship without having talent. 
Period. No, whatever. Look, whatever he was doing with Dungey and Villapoto during that time. But again, I again at that point I was off the team. Mm-hmm. Um, it was flattering to me after because uh, Jason left and I and I was going to the right. So, but but again that happens and and uh, uh, but I wasn't about to grab my ankles there. So I just left and. Uh, and as the story goes, you know, uh, time heals all, and it and it worked out, and and uh, and I, I certainly moved on, and everybody lived happily ever after, but but uh, uh, to bigger and better things, so to speak. But but uh, yeah, so that that was an experience. You know, some of these are some of these are good experiences. Some of them are rocky roads, and but but they all they all test your metal. I will tell you that. Certainly do. Like so that that's maybe one of your most infamous signings and maybe Chad Reed being one of the most famous guys you ever you ever uh managed. Uh like I'm curious if there was ever a time you know, where you were really close to getting somebody that you didn't end up getting. Well, the 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 thing with Reed that was funny was and and this is a true story. I met Chad you know, at his hotel, he was staying at like a seven-star hotel in Newport, comes down in flip-flops, we talk, I think he saw my energy, answered all his questions, I left, I had a good feeling, but he was unsure of me, probably from the Great Outdoors video, but he heard from some people, but I had some, you know, I heard Kehoe put in a good word for me, Mitch Payton put in a good word for me, because they had experienced me, but basically, what was funny, here's what's funny. So Chad goes to his wife, Ellie, who was pretty involved in all that. And he goes, man, I just don't know about Dave. You know, you know, people say this and people say that, people say this and people say that about him. And Ellie looks at him and goes, you know, Chad, I think you should give Dave a try because everything they're saying about Dave, they're saying about you. And she told me he kind of sat up and he, he kind of wiped his chin, you know, like kind of mm-hmm. rubbed his chin, you know, and thought about it for a minute. And 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 the rest was history. You know, I got a call and and uh, two guys taking a chance. So on I each think other. I owe a, well, I think I owe a debt of gratitude to Ellie, because the one thing I learned about this racing business, I think you detest. It's almost kind of high school. People talk more about you than what they don't know than what oh. they really know thousand percent absolutely it's worse than high school no straight up when mitch hired me he told me straight up he goes i hired you because of what i saw but i also hired you from what i heard and i go what do you mean he goes i always saw how hard you worked because you were always parked seemed to the right or left of us so i wasn't worried about that part but he said he goes, you know, Larry Brooks threw you so far under the bus to me that you were this and you were that and you were this and you were that. And and he goes, outside of that and your work ethic, I just had to give you a try, just even out of curiosity, you know. And I thought, great, whatever got me here, got me here, you know. So, um, uh and, and I had a great year with, with Mitch. I could have stayed there longer, but the YOT thing came up. And the YOT thing, by the way, was 10 minutes from my house. And Pro Circuit, okay. 
One Direct, Pro Circuit One Direction was an hour and a half from my house. Because I live up in Valencia near Magic Mountain still. Right. Pro Circuit Corona. I mean, on a good day, it's an hour and a half to maybe in an hour 20 or hour 15 if I if I risk getting a speeding ticket. But but and trust me, my life on the freeways is always fast. So um, <laughs> and, I, and I've always driven for teams because I've never believed in moving my family for a team because a lot of times on a team, you may only be on that team a year or two or three, you know, so I, I never thought it was fair to move my family around. So I would be the one that would wear out a car just going to work. Um, and, uh, yeah, but, uh, um, yeah, but the Reed thing, what was cool about the Reed thing, we had a, it was like a double A factory deal, but we weren't, we were factory, but we weren't factory. You know, even when we were at Honda, <clears throat> some of the Honda guys used to come up to me, you know, I'd be in there on a Wednesday working at my desk, ordering parts or doing something. I'd be the only guy there. Lars wasn't there. Goose was The Honda guys, they were pissed off because they, they were like, they had to be there Monday through Friday, almost, you know, almost eight to five or nine to five, so to speak, you know, and like right. a blue collar job. And they, and they go, what are you doing here, man? Where, where's your team? Well, all their ship's done. You know, we shipped out the engines and I'm just making some parts. Well, why are you here and they're not here? Well, they're doing whatever they need to do in their life. Like I said, all all the racing stuff's done. You know, and and uh, you know, I'll see them at the airport in the morning, and, and uh, so to speak. Yeah, but you're here a lot, and they're not here. Well, you know, I'm the manager. I got to do some paperwork. I got to do this. Sometimes I'm at home, but uh, you know, if I could scoot out for a day, I'll scoot out for a day. But if these guys can get a couple days, you know, <laughs> they're the mechanics. They're the, you know, they're the suspension guy. They're doing all, you know, I, I mean. Uh, I just, I, you know, I don't have a problem with that. And they'd always walk away shaking their heads. And then what was funny was one of the in-house guys at, at, at Honda, Dean Gibson, uh, when we hired him away from Honda to be our motor guy when we were on the, on the Cowies, right? Um, right? Then Dean got a taste of how we were. And, and Dean was a great guy. And, and I love that guy. And now he's at Factory Cowie. Uh, he was doing Tomac stuff and now he's doing Anderson stuff, but great guy. But it was just, it was just a different philosophy because, you know, a lot of the factory teams, they want you in there again, like nine to five. And, and, uh, um, but on Chad's team, Chad's attitude was, look, you run it as you see you fit, Dave. I just, I'm not going to make the guys come in any more than they have to. And if everybody's got their shit done, they should be able to enjoy themselves. So that was, that was pretty much even the philosophy when I had YOT. Um, you know, I remember when Brian Cran Brian Kranz was one of my mechanics at YOT, and I was crying when he left because I loved that guy. And, you know, he went on to a lot of success as Eli's longtime guy till he just switched to Yamaha. And Brian and I ride mountain bikes once in a while if he comes up here because his mother still lives up here. But I just saw him a couple weeks ago. But, <clears throat> um, you know, when Brian left, we just couldn't afford to pay him. He rose to the level of being beyond my payroll at YOT. So, you know, Factory Connection offered him a sweet deal. You know, he rolled in there and became, e, you know, ET's guy and and went through ET's uh, career there as, like I said, Kawasaki's and, and uh, 
you know, there's certain guys that stand out in my career that, that I've been privy to be around that, uh, whether they were older than me or younger than me or the same age, you know, mechanics, suspension guys, truck drivers, this and that. There's certain guys you remember that, that, uh, you know, you always have some good and bad, but, but for the most part, you know, it, it, on the factory teams or any race team, you know, you want to have, you, you want to surround yourself with good guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've been around, I've been, uh, I've been lucky, you know, and as I like to tell people, you know, I was around in the air cooled days and the water cooled days. So I've kind of, I've kind of, you know, outside of Bevo and DeCoster, I mean, I was out there uh, a long, long ass time, you know, a lot of, a lot of generations of riders and, and, and innovations and up downs and sideways uh, of everything. So it's, it, uh, it's just, it's, it's just, it's cool. You know, I wouldn't trade it for anything really. Certainly. No, you, you, you've been there. You've got the stories, man. Like, like I said, off the top of this thing, we could probably go, uh, we could probably go six hours and, and, and still be left with uh, 80% of your career still yet to be told. Uh, I really appreciate you making some time to, uh, to come on the podcast today and just sort of, uh, uh, roll through some stories, clue some people in on, uh, uh, your thoughts on some stuff that's happening now, as well as, uh, as a look back at a few different, uh, pretty monumental moments within the sport. Yeah, no, I, I I appreciate it. I appreciate the interest in having interest in me. I mean, it's there's a lot of guys. There's look, there's some guys out there that 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 kind of run away and hide. I, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't really go. Uh, Chad called me back. My wife and I helped him out in '19, right when the virus kind of started going at, at Anaheim One when he was on the Huskies. Helped him. That was a lot of fun. I got to see some people. But other than that, I really haven't been to any races. I just I just kind of watch it on the couch. And, uh, you know, my old employee and, and, and coworker, you know, Lars Lindstrom got promoted. He's a team manager at Honda now. Uh, uh, you know, Oscar uh, went on to be Cincerillo's crew chief at Kawasaki. Like I said, Dean Gibson now uh, is, is, is a Cowie, uh, uh, still doing motor stuff. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Brian Kranz is in-house now at Cowie. Um, you know, Goose is up in Idaho, opened his own business. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's exciting to see a lot of the, the upper level guys I worked with uh, that are still in it. I mean, obviously I'm on the older end of the spectrum. I just turned 65, but, but, uh, you know, hell, I can still mix it up with the best of them, but, but, you know, there comes a point when the plane flights and all the bullshit is just all the bullshit, (laughs) you know, I'll raise hell if they tell me to get an aisle seat and any flight over five hours is, is, is hell for me. And, and, uh, and I like my time at home with my dogs and my wife and my bicycles and all that stuff. But, but like I said, I, I'm pretty, I'm still an avid fan. I, I, even now and then I, I, I trade blows with, with either a Davy Coombs or a, or a Wygan or somebody like that, a Steve Mathis with a, with a Tex or a, something like that. Uh, or a guy like you, you know, you saw, you saw my thing and you, you thought, Oh, I'm going to give him a buzz. So yeah, I see Jim Holly on then. So, you know, I'm still tapped into it. My son's a designer at fast house, uh, oh, neat. lead designer fast house. So, you know, it's like, I'm still tied to it. And, and what's funny, I know enough that like I told you before we got on the air, I just bought myself a 22 YZ 85 big wheel. And, and if anybody's listening, big wheel, four stroke or two stroke minis, are the biggest kick in the pants that 
I mean, it, it take, you know, I wear full gear. We get out there and we mix it up. The guys, we try to emulate Tomac and company out there. But no, but seriously, it's, it's such a kick in the pants. It's like, I was telling my buddy the other day, I wouldn't, like I had a 252 stroke. I built up a Yamaha, really nice bike, but I sold it because I didn't enjoy it so much. I don't do all the jumps anymore, you know, but I still mix it up uh, on the turns and this and that. It's just, it's such a kick in the pants, you know, whether it's on that or my mountain bike or something. So, so I'm not dead yet. There you go, man. Well, uh, hey, that's uh, that's good to hear and good to see you're still getting that throttle therapy on a, on a big wheel 85 or anything else in between. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's good to get out there and twist it. Yeah, now I got my grandson, you know. We got him a little Strider bike in the garage. He hasn't taken to it yet, but, you know, at some point, it'll it'll come. I'm not going to ram it down his throat, but but uh, it, it'll be a fun thing because my son, like I said, he he's in a moto. He rides a 450 Yamaha, and so... We'll get junior out there at some point and whether he takes to it or not we'll see but but uh there's plenty of other things to 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 do but but yeah even this weekend i'm excited for the race atlanta's a good venue and and uh you know it's the east west thing I, I i you know i'm a christian craig fan uh huge christian craig fan and and uh, uh my wife follows uh, his wife and all their all their their happenings and and uh um, and, and how can you not like the Lawrence brothers? So I think, I think it's exciting. And the, and the Hondas, you know, the Hondas this year, man, they're as good as the Yamahas are. Those Hondas are pretty damn good. And yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, the HRC involvement and whatever Lars has going on down there, they, they got, uh, those bikes are killing it against the Yamahas, which is, you know, is a rarity in that class. Cause the Yamahas are kind of the standouts, um, I'd like to see Mitch's guys doing better. Um, it just seems, man, he, they can't catch a break, you know. But but uh, having been at that program for a year, I never count those guys out because they're just they're just so good at what they do and determined. So uh, I think he just ne- needs to get lucky with some 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 guys that just don't get hurt every Monday and Tuesday and and uh, you know get it done. But but uh, but uh, no, so that's exciting and and. Uh, and certainly Eli, look, like Ricky was saying on the on the telecast last week, you could clearly see in the first couple uh, in the Triple Crown, Eli was just kind of being smart, and, but he had the opportunity in the third one, and he just freaking railed it, you know. And 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 uh, again on a track, I think that wasn't really really in tune with 450s. I think the 450s sometimes it's pretty obvious they're too powerful for what they're doing. Uh, but he, but he, he threw down, got it done, and 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 I think Jason Anderson shows that that he's a contender again, you know. And I think all that's that's what sells the tickets for me. I don't need a triple crown, you know. I just think, uh, you know, Jason, his whole career is like revitalized. Eli, his whole career is revitalized. Marsh is doing okay, you know. Some of the contenders are are still alive and kicking, so. Uh, aside from the 250 class so again a triple crown to me obviously it's popular i'm the oddball saying and I, but again I, I don't hold me to say i don't like it uh, it is exciting i just i just think it belongs in its own thing you know what i mean yeah, ex- exactly <laughs> but, uh, yeah no i i think so too uh honestly my, my biggest issue with the uh with the triple crown is that you just 
you end up with all too often in the third race, the guy who's in second has a chance to win. And um, like he, he doesn't need to win the, the race in order to win the race. And then you just get guys circulating and that's not good racing. Well, no, see, it's good you say that because it's like when they designed that on paper, they didn't realize what would happen like you just said would happen. They, In other words, they saw that play out and they went, holy shit, this isn't so bitching after all. But then they already had the series in the series. You know what I mean? And then the other thing I don't like, at least in my whole career, they always try to design this like the East West to help the mom and dad or the privateer guy. Right. But, you know, if you look at all the factory guys, as soon as it's a triple crown, what do you see? You see Barsha with two very expensive identical bikes. You see Tomac with two very expensive identical bikes. In other words, you see Mitch's guys. You see the Yamaha guys. Even Chisholm that's a fill-in has two freaking bikes. In other words, what if you were that three-digit guy? Oh, yeah. You wouldn't have two bikes. No. Your buddy wouldn't have two that you drove there in the shared motorhome or the van. In other words, the triple crown is not conducive for privateers. You know, no, that's true. It's, if Eli goes down bad enough, he can grab his second bike uh, for the next round. And, and so unless you're a factory level team, even Moto Concepts, their factory level, they got they got two bikes. In other words, if you were a, if you were a struggling privateer, but say a good privateer, one of those guys that you see, I don't know their names, but but you see them kind of regular. In other words, that guy doesn't have two bikes, so it's almost the Triple Crown is a privateer killer because they can't really afford to keep up. And if that guy has a flip. And they they just don't want to get the bike ready. Well, then they don't have to. He could grab his identical bike and roll out there the next two or three races on that. But but I realized that in the beginning, just like what you said a minute ago. I bet the powers that be didn't even think of that. But they're usually they usually try to say, oh, this helps the privateers, or what about the privateers, or da 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 da. Which which you should never forget those guys because you need those guys and and. I mean, Eli was a three-digit guy once. So was Anderson. I mean, but the triple crown kills those guys. If 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 you're the triple crown guy, and say you have a decent first round, second round, and maybe maybe something happens to the to the to motor, say, and and it just won't make it a third round. You what are you going to do? Even if somebody loaned you something. You might not even have enough time to swap plastics. You know what I mean? If another Kawasaki kid gave you his bike, uh, which I think it was actually done somewhere, uh, you might not even have enough time to change plastics. But, but uh, uh, which, which I guess adds to the excitement. But so for everything good they think it's doing, it's also doing some bad. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just the facts. You know, like you said, it. Uh, a, a guy could really steamroll the first race. And he can almost, you know, depending on what his scores are, he can almost cruise the last race, you know. So, uh, yeah, and I've seen what, what, what you said earlier, and then I think you'll notice, <clears throat> I think you'll notice 
some of the private guys, they may not even race all three rounds. You know, yeah, like the guys who are 35th on back in qualifying, like if you have no chance of getting into the night show, uh, like obviously I think they still play, uh, they still pay uh, like night show money to get into the top, the, the fast 40, but like your day is done by three o'clock. No, like, but here, cause you're a not fan. Good. Look, say you were that private three digit guy and you're good enough to make all three, right? So right. you're in them. But oh yeah, they don't realize, race all three of those because yeah, they don't have they don't have the parts or they don't have the fitness. No, no, but but look at it this way: when you when you race those races, it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a, a twenty lap main event or a triple crown sprint race. You're still got adrenaline and kind of balls to the walls, right? So you're hard on the clutch, you're hard on the engine, you're hard on the gearbox. You know, you're you're racing. You know, nobody's right. taking it easy, and you may go. Wow, decent first race. Maybe your bike gets a little semi-sour. You, you know, Eli and those guys, they, they get new clutches, new wheels, new this, new that, fresh tires. You're not that guy. And and by the third round, that's really three races. Even though they're short races, there's still three races. So you're hammering. Your bike may not even make it with the same freshness till the end. Or you don't have the budget to put a clutch in say after the second round uh, for the third round or after the first, you know, you just don't, you just don't have it. So it's kind of, again, I still, I still feel it's a sure. Most people are paying to see Tomac and Anderson, not the privateer guys, but some of these privateer guys it, three years from now, they may be the new Anderson or Tomac. You know what I mean? Um, not everybody shows up with a, with a one or a two digit number. Everybody starts at the bottom. So it doesn't matter who you are. So, and trust me, I've seen a lot of guys. DeCoster used in the Trans Am. He always had a three-digit number. A lot of the Euros did. So it's just kind of the way it is. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I think there's there's ups, downs, and sideways with everything. But I, I think ultimately Supercross to me is just is, is, is just like F1 or MotoGP or any of that stuff. It's a standalone. And you're going to have seasons that are exciting. You're going to have seasons that are yawn. You're going to have seasons that that uh, you know uh, uh, full of injuries. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I mean, uh, you know, it's just it, it's just one of those things. I mean, but but uh, and, and sure, like like we talked earlier, Lawrence and 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 Tomac, <clears throat> barring any injury, look, either one of those guys, God forbid, could hurt themselves, and then their their giant points will just dissolve. So outside of a mechanical breakdown. Um, you know, they can get, they can get injured during the week. They could get bit by a dog, you know, walking their dog. So, I mean, <clears throat> they still got to be there at the end, like I said earlier. So I, I think that's the excitement and that's, that's what keeps me a fan of it. And, uh, um, look, I watched, I'm not a big golf guy, but I watched Tiger Woods this last week because it was just exciting seeing him out there. Yeah. And the fact that he just the fact that he walked the course was like Ken Roxon to me because most mortals would have stopped a long time ago, but Roxon kept going. And what's funny about Roxon, he's got as many haters as he has lovers. And I just, I find that so interesting. Like even when I worked for Chad, there were so many haters as opposed to lovers, but I always used to, I always liked the haters because I would ask some of the haters, why do you hate them? 
you know, do you know him? You know, at autograph sessions, say, and it, when this guy Joel and I were running that, I'd be on the outside a lot of times, and Joel was close to Chad on the inside. I would I would ask some of the haters, you know, why do you hate the guy? And a lot of times they they wouldn't even have a good answer. Seriously, they some of them because he was Australian, he wasn't from here, or 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 they thought he was taking rides from people. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. He started this with his own wallet. <laughs> you know, yeah. he didn't. Who's, who's you know, ride was he, he taking? He, begged, he, he created yeah, a ride. Yeah, you know, yeah, he begged Honda for support. I mean, um, I said, oh, he's arrogant. I said, yeah, he can be that. I said, but what what guy stepping into the ring in a prize fight? Oh yeah, isn't full of himself. No kidding. You know, I would say like, to to various degrees, but I would argue that there's not a single guy who lines up for a Supercross that has doesn't have a little bit of cock in his walk. Look. I've been around some of the best in the sport from the, from the Hannah Glover bell era to, to, to the Ryan Hughes, Grant Langston. When I met Langston, I was almost kind of scared of him. Cause I heard, man, this guy, he'll, he, he can bend nails with his teeth, you know, but he was the nicest guy. But as soon as he put a helmet on, look out, you know, he was strong. He was brutal. He was fierce. Ryan Hughes was that way. I mean, there's certain guys that just had it. And they had it all the time, you know. Um, and you can tell sometimes, even with Reed, when he would show up and just his manner of walking around, you kind of knew it was kind of going to be a good night, you know. And and uh, and even if he was off in time practice and qualifying, because he would never win practice, he could still go out and win the damn thing, you know. So that was that was exciting. And and uh, so yeah, it's just, there's so many. There's so many things just with the personalities, you know, they're just people like you and me, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, <clears throat> it's crazy really. But, but uh, being on all sides of it like that, but, but again, I like now I just, I, I like sitting back and there's, there's a group of kids coming up again. You know, you got the rider de France goes and, 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 and some of the others that are coming up. I hope they stay healthy. And the, the, the Deegans, you know, it's a couple of my buddies, they go, wow, you, you seem like you're against Deegan. I don't know. I just, I don't really like all this hype, really. Yeah, you just want him to prove I, it, that's all. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I mean, his, his dad's a very accomplished guy. Uh, you know, he made a lot of money, so 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 Hayden has the best of everything. But that's no fault of his. It, should he be ashamed of who his father is? No, I mean, Brian, Brian Deegan became Brian Deegan from nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And And I was a lot then. I, I'm not going to claim that I know him, but some of my buddies know him very well. But I think he's done a hell of a job raising his sons and daughters. But now with all this hype, it's just like, you know what? I don't want to hear it. I just want to see you get out there, be healthy, and 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 put it to everybody. But the fact that now he's got hats and shirts and all the bullshit like he's arrived, to me, amateurs are amateurs and pros are pros. I think you know, you haven't really arrived till it's real, you know, and I think Jason Anderson saw that. And I think all these guys, Ricky and some of the best in the sport, when they came up from amateurs, they got a, you know, they're racing against guys that own the house, you know, they're racing against guys that own the boat, that, that own the cars. You know what I mean? It's, they're racing against men already, you know, and they're not going to take, <laughs> they're not going to take shit from nobody pardon my english but so but everything i see about the kid he should be all that i just want to see it 
for real. I don't want to see it at an amateur race. I don't want to buy a hat or a t-shirt, more power if he can do all that. But, you know, um, even now, you know, when people say, what do you think of, of the Jet Lawrence comparisons to James Stewart? I, I said that they're ridiculous. I'm a Jet Lawrence fan, but James, James Stewart, in the same type of an era or time frame, there, there's really no comparison. Um, you know, I, I, I think he might be on his way to something like that, but I just don't see it yet. Um, I, I see rumblings of it, but I just uh, – th there were so many more pages to James's book at, at this stage of his career than, than, than Jet Lawrence's. Uh, uh, but, but again, with Jet Lawrence, I just hope he doesn't get trip over his own hype. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, but, but, you know, people compare his brilliant speed and the crashing and the crashing and the brilliant speed and, and, and these runaway wins, <laughs> but, but, and maybe I'm wrong because, you know, look, he already has an outdoor title. He's going to get an indoor title soon if everything still clicks off. So, you know, he may be, he may certainly, uh, uh be, uh, prove me wrong. And I, For look, sure. I hope he but does, but. You know what, man? I I I, I get your point. I I just there's like there are parallels, kinda. But with all due respect to Jet Lawrence, um, in the 2002 series, James was head and shoulders above absolutely everyone, including Chad Reed, who, for all intents and purposes, should have been in the 450 class. In fact, Pat, yep. allowing himself to get passed at Unadilla, only to go buy him again, no problem, just toying with somebody three or four years older than he was. Uh, in 2003, he breaks his collarbone after a perfect season in Supercross, um, winning the, the two 125 East title, smokes everyone, breaks his collarbone at the at the final race, which didn't count for points, that was just a shootout. Misses the first four rounds and then goes eight and zero uh, as far as uh, uh, or, or he wins every single moto going out from Bud's Creek on, including being on the ground at the at the second moto that he was back, going last to first. No big deal. All the fitness in the world. Uh, that's his second year in the class, and then in the third year in the class, he goes twenty three of twenty four. Uh, on a little bike, he also got a perfect season on a 450. So, um, when you start to compare guys to that, uh, you almost do Jet a disservice because those types of accolades and those types of records and and that type of dominance is is unheard of by everybody else except for Ricky Carmichael. So yeah, it's it's almost it's unfair, and, and he might do it. Oh, who's to know? Maybe he's the next guy that pulls off a, a perfect season, yeah. but I, I highly doubt it. But you know, it's funny to get back to the YOT uh, uh, stories I left off. Yeah. When Metcalf was there, you know, I, I'm talking to Yamaha, and 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 the brass there. They want they want Metcalf to ride the outdoors uh, uh, and such on a on a 125. You know. Right. Oh my the gosh. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I, I, I understand Yamaha still sold them, and 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 it was a it was a good seller for them. <clears throat> but still is. I looked at it different. I said, I said, wow, like, <clears throat> is Medi going to get paid more for this? I mean, you're you're essentially kind of you're you're, you're kind of hurting his career. 
you know, everybody at his level is on a four stroke now, you know, oh yeah, but blah, 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 and this and that. And so then they said to me, well, you know, that other guy on the two stroke seemed to do pretty well, meaning Stewart, right? And I go, Stewart's from another planet, nothing against Metcalf, but you can't compare the two. As good as Brett will do, it's, it's, you know, I, I just, I don't think he's going to be keen with this. It'll be a standout thing. This could help his career as much as it can hurt his career. So, so needless to say, the rest is history. He wrote it. We tried real hard and, and it was an uphill battle. And then uh, I begged and begged and begged and begged and begged Yamaha to return him to a four stroke, which the family wanted bred as well for the outdoors. And then uh, when we had a break uh, right before Unadilla, we got him on uh, back on a four stroke finally <clears throat> to finish out the, the series. And, uh, you know, and, and he did okay on the two stroke, but again, it's not, and nothing against Brett, <clears throat> but, out of everybody that had an AMA Pro license, I, I mean, as you know, you just said it yourself. You ran down the history books. I mean, Stewart was, was like from a, another planet. The stuff he would do and 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 can pull off on that bike, and and uh, you know everybody that even tried, you know, I, I mean, guys were battling with him that were already on four strokes, and 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 he still did well. So. Um, God, it's just like even when you just think about everything you just said to 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 think back when 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 he had that little hiccup with with his with his TUE forms and they kind of put him on the back burner and essentially killed his career. Yep. I'm just like, man, this guy really put the sport on the map for so many years. You know, to me he was like a Kenny Roberts or a Dick Mann or for 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 our side of the fence. You know what I mean? It's like 100%. how could you how could you how and he had Michael the flash. Jackson? Like pe- people think about uh, James Stewart as a guy who sort of got exiled due to a, a, a TUE issue, which was if he had the therapeutic exemption, even more shame on whoever uh, okayed him being suspended for as long as he was. Um, we're talking about a guy who was the, the epitome of entertainment: the sprinkler, the worm, the hats, uh, the like, just. The Bubba Scrub, he literally, he introduced something to the sport of motocross that up until then had never been done, at least not to that level. That whole philosophy then with, with, uh, and I get it, you know, the powers that be, they, they hooked up and they're like, you know, we got to sell another way to sell and market the sport as in other sports, motorized or not, that, that were drug free for the moms and pops and the kids of the world and, and potential sponsors like a monster or a target or Walmart, you know, they want to, they want to see that in other, uh, in other sports, they were starting to throw that out there. So, you know, our, our deal kind of followed suit, but it, it was never designed to be a career ender. And even, but even my son is, is pointed out, he's an ultimate fighter fan. So there's been some men and women in ultimate fighting and even other sports that you may even be familiar with that, that for some reason they tested positive for something. And it's like, again, they're guilty before they're proven innocent. So again, I have, I, I had a big heart on for that the whole time. Like, like, like even with tickle, you know, KTM just, just freaking hung that kid out to dry. And I, I do believe Roger kind of spoke up and I think 
people above him told him to back off and and uh more than likely i don't know that for sure it sure seemed that way and and tickle had a tough time and 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 i was so embittered by that because again as you know at least in the united states you're supposed to be innocent till proven guilty and but they kind of screw you first you know yeah it's, totally. It's, it's oh, like the, yeah. Tickle, tickle for all intents and purposes should still be a top 10 guy. Um, you look at the guys who are currently in the top 10, he could easily be there. Uh, I'm sure he makes he a decent battles with, with, with. Yeah. Well, yeah, look, I, I, none of us can turn back time. Um, it's just unfortunate. I just, man, I was throwing a little party in my head when I heard the FIM was leaving Supercross. And I got to tell you, as a team manager, I was always, you talk to most of the crew guys, you know, when, when Supercross starts, everybody's excited. Then when the outdoors start, everybody's excited for that. But for me, I had that sentiment too. But another sentiment to me was I always relished getting with MX Sports because they had absolutely nothing to do with the FIM. Couldn't stand it. And, and I don't even know many FIM people, but their handling of everything here was ass backwards and just an embarrassment to the sport, an embarrassment to their organization. And, it, it, you know, they were even a disservice to themselves with, between the Stewart thing and the Tickle thing. I mean, the, 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 you'd read interviews with James or, 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 or Tickle or his people saying that, 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 that they've sent letters and this and that, and, and it's just the lights on, nobody's home. And even in other sports, whether, whether again, like I said, UFC fighting or skiing or cycling, it, it, it's like you're guilty till proven innocent. And then they, but meanwhile, while they're doing all that, they hang you out to dry. And who was the guy you would know probably more than me uh, outside of Stewart and Tick? Oh, uh, Christian Craig. Yeah. When they nailed Craig. Christian Craig, somehow, thank God, he was able to beat it. I don't know if he got someone on the phone or someone over there was on his side or God, whatever it was, he, uh, that's right. He was the shining example. He's like the only one that was able to turn the tables on that whole thing. And it wasn't a career ender for him or, or, or he would have been gone years ago. Yeah. You know, when that, when that happened to him. So I don't know what he did or how he did it, but he certainly got lucky and he's probably laughing about it now, but, but, um, yeah, it's just a terrible thing, you know, and, and, uh, but you know, they're gone now. Yeah. And it certainly is. And it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, they, they sort of did their damage and, and now they're out of there. And I think the, the, the sport is a little bit freer because of it. And, um, yeah, like, uh, who's, who's to find out like, uh, how that ends up working for the, the world supercross series. Maybe they, they'll end up, uh, regretting that decision as being part of the FIM. Uh, that's, that story is yet to be written, but, uh, yeah. Well, when didn't, uh, like MX sports now, MX sports now is kind of in bed with, with the FIM by virtue of their Canadian connection, right? Uh, with the Canadian out outdoor series or something like that if i'm not mistaken that's something slightly different it's a i believe a two race uh series two race championship that's going to happen one in canada one in uh at high point coming this fall um but yeah i'm not really too sure like like i assume that's that's mx sports because uh that 
that race being held by uh, by Davy Coombs and the the Coombs family over at uh, at High Point. I, I can't remember if I if it's been released what what track will be. Uh, on the Canadian side of things and actually come to find out that uh, Canada is also getting a MXGP possibly as early as next year, which would be pretty neat. Hey, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, it's so tragic what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Mm. What do you think? Not, not to get all political, but yeah. I was reading something some weeks ago about that Russian guy and you know, he just seems so innocent to this. So he's not allowed the AMA is not granting him, uh, so he can race. The Canada guys aren't allowed. Evgeny Borbashev, you know? yeah, um, yeah, and I, 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 I think that's kind thing. of bullshit. Like, yeah, I watched an interview with him, and the, I thought, I thought, okay, uh, just his nationality is kind of screwing him. Yeah, uh, like you know, we're going to treat him the he, same way we treated uh, like Japanese nationals during the Second World War, like. They're 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 kind of throwing the book at this kid, and he didn't really do anything. No, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that. I uh, it's the same thing for uh, international hockey, uh, young kids who who want to work play in the under 17 U18 um, junior championships. They're they're penalized because of the choices of their government, which makes no sense to me. Like that, that's well, just, you know, Holly, just some kids who wants to play hockey. Back in the day, Jim Hawley had a buddy you might remember from Estonia. He came over here, First super nice guy, pretty good rider mm-hmm. from Estonia, came here. He was living with Jim. Jim was helping, mentoring him, coaching him, whatever. Uh, and he was actually a pretty good racer. Um, and a few times I met him, you know, he would just talk about his country, just some of the differences between here and there. So he was so hot to come here, like some of the Euros want to come here. It, it, uh, to ride supercross or this or that it's like so i'm like here's this guy i get what's going on in the world is pretty shitty but he really has no hand in it you know it's just it's just it's just you know he's caught in the crosshairs and the sanctioning bodies are allowing it to happen which i just thought is just beyond common sense and just so 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 unfair you know but but uh uh yeah i mean that's just the way that goes but, but uh who knows if he'll get it worked out? Yeah, we'll see, man. I honestly, I, I, I'd, I'd let the guy ride. Uh, I, I don't see much point in like, cause he's, uh, what I don't like is that like he's able to be in Florida riding, racing, training. Um, like we're, we're fine. Like the, you're fine with him spending his money, hard-earned money, uh, to train and race and 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 want to race and and get prepared to race a series. Uh, and I like not to say that there's a lot of tickets that would be sold to go watch Evgeny Barbashev, but like he's a top ten guy. Like I don't know why you would put push away someone who uh, is is obviously a, he's an entertainer and, and and would have some skills out there on two wheels like uh, Clement Desell and uh, Kevin Stribos come came over 2012, uh, put on a show for everybody, and uh, yeah, I, I think I don't think he'd be a whole lot different. So uh, it, it bums me out. Yeah, I just think it would, uh, you know, obviously he's not a Ukrainian national, he's a Russian, but I think it would just show goodwill on all parties. Yeah. Instead, they're dead. like he did drugs or alcohol or something. I just mm-hmm. think, it, you know, and even I think Davey or somebody even, well, it's out of my hand. You know, I love when they say it's out of their hands, which is really BS. You know, when you're at, when, when you're at the head of the table and you say it's out of your hands, that, that's just like our politicians, you know, it's like, 
it's their race and you ask for a pit pass and all of a sudden they can't get you a pit pass. I, I always kind of laugh at that. And meanwhile, you put years in, but I, you know, look, I'm on the outside now looking in. So I get embittered about that stuff, but, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I just think, you know, I think uh, when these racers want to, you know, cause they're so far removed from it. I, you know, he's just, he's just, and he's even been here training. I think he said he rode, in Florida with Webb and, and, and those guys down there. And yeah, you know, it's just kind of sad, but, but, uh, but yeah, that's obviously out of our hands. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, but Dave, this is, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate you making the time to come on the podcast. I think you're going to have to be a repeat yeah, offender I- and, and more, a little bit more frequently, uh, maybe call you up sometime during the nationals to shoot the shit and, uh, uh, and go back over it. Last question I have for you and, and you're infamous on those, uh, those great outdoors videos. Who was it that was supposed to meet you down at Dunlop to grab the wheels? I'll tell you what it was and all the teams, <laughs> Uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the carts are all loaded at a certain period between motos, uh, to, to handle the next moto. And it was all, it was all, it was, it was all buttoned up. Right. Then we get ready to go and it, it, it looked like a bomb went off like we got robbed you know what i mean yep uh you know for all i knew somebody just robbed us uh obviously at that point it wasn't my job to pay attention to that but then when i casually turned and looked at it it, it the whole thing was raped somebody grabbed something and it was just it it, it, it was just it, it was just a complete uh, or an immediate unorganization and a kind of a part of my english like a, a huge clusterfuck because the card had to go to the starting line, right? And, and it, it's a, not a hop, skip, and a jumping away. So, so yeah, I flamed out at everybody because they should have been more on top of their game to not rape the card after it was already put together. You, you know what I'm saying? It it, it was just it, it was just a a one in a million uh, situation that that I'd never saw that happen before really on any team I've been on. Once you load that thing and roll it out and it and it's sitting there ready to, to go, somebody got in there that either wasn't prepared or, or something, but it wasn't handled right. And 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 it, you know what I mean? It was just it was just uh I'm not gonna apologize for nothing because it's it's my job to make sure that's not like that. You know? Because yeah. If it would have went down to the starting line, it's my neck on the line, not any of theirs, you know. And and even even after it happened, everybody was pointing fingers at everybody else, you know. It was like it was comical, you know. But I didn't do it, so who did it? And then it finally came clear. It was just, it was just, uh, it was just not, uh, it was not handled right, you know. And uh, Oops, they had the camera rolling then. So that that's uh that wasn't staged at all, let me tell well, you. Well, it 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 sounded it, it's a it's a sound bite that's burnt into my mind for as long as uh, I've been a motocross fan. I believe that's the 2006 series um 
really cool, and uh, you're always great for those. Uh, like, um, just great sound bites, it, great, it, great insight, it, and it, uh, yeah. Troy, uh, Troy did a great job with that series. I wish he'd bring it back. Same. But all of those were none, none of that scripted. It's just if yeah. you hit your your thumb with a hammer, you go off. If they got the camera going, they capture what you say. So, um, I lost my shit with that because I'm passionate and and what happened with that shouldn't have happened with that period so um you know uh I didn't look at ourselves like we weren't a top uh team to go against Mitch or Factory Connection I looked at us as the history that 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 Keith said we lost so so um you know, whatever whatever sponsorship we had or riders we we hired, I always wanted the best out of them to not be embarrassed. I wanted our gear to look the best. I wanted our graphics to look the best. I I wanted our presence to capture you and your family if you were the that next upstart kid that could maybe I could talk to. You know what I mean? So we tried to be better than we were with what we could afford to do. Um, to try to get them out, as Keith said, out of the gutter. So to get their bling back was really what 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 it was all about. So um, and uh, um, and then even after that, you know, when Jason won the title, that there was a part that uh, there was a period I heard that you know even Star Racing, the early Star, because Star was always the B team at Yamaha, and and but then Star was going to merge with YOT just for monetary reasons and sponsorship and. And, uh, and that was when star wasn't really what they are now. I mean, I'm amazed what they turned into. And, yeah. and, uh, um, I think at one uh, point they were the Valley uh, racing star racing, my plash Yamaha team sponsored by who knows what with Jamie yeah, Ellis Bobby doing and motors. <laughs> Bobby and I are pretty friendly and, and <clears throat> we had a lot of long talks about a lot of different stuff. I like Bobby as I think he still likes me, but, but, uh, at one point I thought I would even end up there, but, um, and, and there was talk of that, but, but, you know, but star has come a long way and, 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 and I'm really happy to see it. I think, uh, you know, I, I honestly didn't know that they would ever become what they became to tell you the truth, but, uh, whatever they did at some point, they, they, you know, and they were clicking off those championships uh, with the riders he had, uh, and and now, and, and now I think it's phenomenal what he's doing in the 450 class because he's just kind of throwing egg in Yamaha's face, in my opinion. I mean, again, like we talked earlier, with all those years of lackadaisical kind of uh, uh, mediocre results on that bike with some top, top, top talent. You know, now it just goes to a, a a new place and a new location and all new, all new hands in the kitchen. You know, and it's just, just, just it, it's just like he he's like the class of the class now. You know, I think that's what a story. You know, <clears throat> you know, the and the only kid that can really hold a candle to him is is the kid on his old bike, and it revitalized his career and 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 and. Uh, but but I just you know I think I think you couldn't have you couldn't have written a better uh, situation than that. I mean it's like wow, you know whatever they're whatever they're doing over there is is certainly showing you know. But 
So, yeah. They're taking care of business, man. Well, like I said, I really appreciate you making the time. Uh, it's been great to get to know you a little bit better, get yep. you through some stories. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make it uh, make it happen again in some short order. Appreciate the time, buddy. Cool. Another couple of years. I'll talk to you. I appreciate it. Not, no, it won't be a couple of years. It'll be a couple of months, Dave. Oh, you got too many goddamn stories. Do not hang Probably up just so. yet. But for podcast sake, we're going to cut okay. it off right there. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my podcast with the great Dave Osterman. Great conversation with him, as always. I've met him a number of times in the pits uh, just to shoot the shit with him. The guy's an absolute cartoon character. He's got all kinds of stories. And as you heard on the podcast, he lets it fly. Uh, aside from naming names, uh, he's willing to uh, basically uncover all kinds of stories within the sport. Um and every time that I, I interview him, I always find out something that I didn't even know. And uh, my well of knowledge within the sport of motocross is pretty deep. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that podcast. Uh, like I said, off the rip, uh, go to BigMXRadio.com, enter the raffle, uh, YZ252 stroke, that's uh, up for grabs. One ticket, 20 bucks. Three tickets, 50 bucks. You want 10 tickets, that'll be $120 US, but it's worth it to give yourself 10 chances to win this beautiful motorcycle, uh, as well as 14 additional prizes, including a Throttle Syndicate graphic kit and uh, team jerseys from Team Solitaire. So go check those guys out. Uh, as well as check out the other podcasts, this being episode 850 of Big MX Radio. Appreciate everyone who's been listening along the way, whether you're Jonesy from Down Under or uh, Garrett Rockley or uh, uh, any of the number of people who uh, locally who listen. I'm sure Kieran McCullough is in his garage right now tinkering away at something in his garage. And uh, I'm not too, I uh, wouldn't be too surprised to find out that James Dahlman is somewhere in Saskatchewan uh, wiring boxes in a parking lot somewhere uh, as he is a, a Red Seal electrician. Uh, good friends of mine and, uh, and anyone who takes the time to listen to the podcast, I really appreciate you. So uh, have yourselves a great rest of your day. Uh, Sean uh, Wedge, if you're on the treadmill right now, keep going, buddy. Proud of you, buddy. Uh, looking forward to doing some riding in June. Um, and, uh, yeah, as always, everybody, thanks for listening and take care.